forgiveness. This has been a hard subject to wrap our heads around, let alone wrap our lives around, because it can be very, very difficult to know just where to begin. Often, by the time we even think to ask ourselves that question of where to begin, the proverbial horse has long since left the barn. Things can start to pile up quick and start compounding, it seems. That horse is off and running, and it can be so very hard to chase down. Where to begin? As we've been looking closer at this subject in light of Paul's letter to the Romans through this Lenten season, we've begun to see already that there may well just be a place to begin. Paul has had us start by taking a very hard look at ourselves. And two weeks ago, when I began this series, we stepped back with Paul to see ourselves afresh in our human condition from a bird's eye view of sorts, Paul has asked us to re-estimate ourselves, to look again, though not so much in a mirror as down from 10,000 feet, where we are but one dot among many similar dots, less individuals perhaps and more part of a larger humanity. He has asked us to look, and not just at our condition, but at our number as well. We are so, so many, and so, so alike in so many basic ways, we humans. What if we are alike in our propensity to mess things up as well? What if we are alike in our propensity to get it wrong in addition to a thousand other similarities. And not only that, but what if we even tend to make the very same mistakes predictably over and over and over again? And what if we even set up false spiritualities that are destined to fail and disappoint on the backs of those very same mistakes. We do, Paul has showed us. We share the tendency to build up whole civilizations as well as whole spiritualities on the bedrock delusion that we could ever hope to successfully build up whole civilizations and whole spiritualities. We are just too broken just too imperfect and error-prone to ever pull that off. And so, having set that question and that quest aside, he tells us that we begin with grace. We begin with forgiveness. We begin by admitting and taking stock of those things in ourselves that always seem to short-circuit our best aims and intentions to do this life perfectly. We begin with grace. And as I talked about last week, a grace from God through Christ that comes as a sheer gift 
a gift that sets this whole course, this whole journey on a very different kind of road than the one we've all tried before. Here's the road to forgiveness. Here in this sign in the picture, just 22 short miles ahead. That's a very different sort of trek than the one that we would that would have us keep rolling that stone up the hill only to have it roll twice as far back down again. And now that we've begun to see just where that road begins, I want to take a closer look with you today at just what that road actually looks like and how it might look very different from the roads through the spiritual part of our lives that try to start elsewhere. Abraham. Abraham. Paul takes us back in the very next movement of this letter on grace to very near the beginning of our scriptures, back to Abraham. And he takes us there because he needs us to see that something that is so very important for us today began back with Abraham. And that much, of course, for Paul as a Jewish man of his day and time wasn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily have been all that unusual or even all that insightful. Abraham was the father of many nations, after all. But it's not what you're thinking, he would have said to his contemporaries. What's important about Abraham has nothing to do with lineage. It has nothing to do with your ability to link yourself back to Abraham on Ancestry.com. What's so vital about Abraham is that just like what Paul finished saying in the previous chapter about Jesus' sheer gift of unmerited favor and forgiveness, Abraham too got a very one-sided gift. And the important point to take close stock of is what Abraham did in response. Do you know this passage that Paul quotes this morning? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That verse comes from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And in context there, God has just made a promise, a covenant with Abraham. And not one that's like some of the other covenants in the Bible where there's strings attached, where there are things that God says that, that God will do and things that you have to do as well. No, this covenant is nothing like that at all. In this one, there in Genesis 15, for no apparent reason except just that God loves him, with no strings attached at all, and out of nowhere, God just speaks up to Abraham at his highest moment of fear and anxiety about his life and the health of his family. And he says, I just will bless you. I just will guard and protect and multiply you and make you a blessing for all people. I just will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. I just will for no particular reason except that I love you. This covenant is as one-sided, as God-sided as it gets. 
and the only question of any importance, Paul says, about Abraham is what's he going to do with this tremendous blessing? How's he going to live into this tremendous gift of grace? I like the way the message version paraphrases Abraham's response this morning. It says it this way in verse 3, Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. That was the starting point. Let me read that again. Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. And that was the starting point. That's why Abraham is our example. That's why Paul brings him up. Because when he received this very one-sided gift, his response was to enter into what God was doing for him and to let that be the starting point. Have you ever watched or read Les Miserables? I really love the book. I love the, the movie version with Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe even more. But I've seen it in the theater as well. If you know that book or play at all, you know that very powerful scene where the forgiveness takes place, don't you? Jean Valjean, very close to the beginning, is a convict on the run and takes shelter in a church. And there, out of sheer desperation, he steals some of the church's silver. And then he's arrested by the constable, of course. And he brings him back to the priest there with all of that conspicuous church silver and finery. And when the officer brings him before the priest, as you recall, to, to give an account of himself, and it's appearing by now that he's almost certainly caught and headed back to the shipyards, instead of confirming his crime and sending him off for swift sentencing, the priest says, you forgot a few things. Before he hands him the silver candlestick, and I believe a couple of other things as well. He forgot a few things. If you've ever seen it or read it, you'll remember that that scene sets the stage for everything that comes next. But do you remember the impact of that scene on this character, Jean Valjean? Because that is really the main point. The impact, if you recall, is having been the recipient of such an unexpected, grace-filled forgiveness, Valjean is not only given new space to start a new life, but he has established the trajectory of that life in an entirely new way. He becomes, because of this sort of grace, a person who who now lives in grace, who carries grace forward with him out into the world, who forgives and redeems now as a spiritual habit, who lives forward from grace. He's living forgiven, like the title of my sermon for today. You know, we had a funeral here yesterday for Brother Joe Buttermeyer. And during that funeral, the choir sang one of my very favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. 
and perhaps it's because of my theme for this season, I was really taken by that third verse afresh again that reads like this, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, like a chain, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's talking there about a heart that's been made a debtor to grace. A heart that's been chained to goodness because of some prior act of love and forgiveness. And now, now that heart is constrained to behave in a certain way, constrained to carry grace in a certain way out into the world with it, even despite its tendency to wander. Grace has enfolded a brand new heart through forgiveness and now tames it to live forward as a forgiven person, just like Jean Valjean. Abraham, Paul says, is the forefather, the prime exemplar of all of those who receive a startling, unbelievable gift and gesture of God's unmerited acceptance and live forward from there with it as a new and as a changed people. All Abraham did was believe that it was true and enter in to what God had in store for him. Now let me ask you a question. What if the forgiveness that, that you sought to extend to others had nothing at all whatsoever to do with whether they deserved it or not. That's almost unimaginable. Almost. What if your forgiving has nothing to do with another person's contrition, with how sorry they are, or even whether they asked for it or not? What if your forgiveness was more a response to God than it was to that other person? What if true forgiveness is a pay-it-forward kind of deal? We just saw with Jean Valjean that he didn't even ask for forgiveness from the priest. I'm not even sure he knew how to ask for forgiveness from the priest or, or even whether he knew that he needed it. It was that unexpected unbelievable forgiveness that was extended to him first that opened his eyes to where that new road begins. What if that is exactly the kind of forgiveness that we too are called to take up? The kind that begins with Christ's unmerited love for every one of us that simply accepts it believes it, and enters into what God has in store for us from there. That, I think, is what it means to live forgiven, to live forward from forgiveness, 
to take what we have received and to carry it forward into the world to set off on that very different sort of road, always remembering just where it began. And all of God's people said, Amen.